Adderall here with Ash Jarothy. How you doing, Ash? Greetings, fellow Imperians. I am Ash Jarothy, and it has been, or it is the next year, man. Like, we we made it. We did? Is yeah. the next week and the next year? A bit of a, a crash and roll at the end, but we made it. Uh, also with us is Strata. How's it going, Strata? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Okay. Um... Today, we're going to talk about some stuff that uh, we've kind of neglected since Nullsec took a ton of time over the last five days. So we're talking about the winter nexus, and uh, we're also going to review how that fits into the whole year's schedule of events and how CCP is looking at events these days. And there's no one better to talk about that sort of thing than Ashtarathi keeps an eye on these uh, not only from a development point of view on what the game industry is looking at, but also what EVE Online is developing for, also what some of the uh, target audiences are for that and why they would even develop in that way, um, and also as a player and how they work and what the reaction is. So we'll look at all that today uh, with Ashtarathi and Strata. We're going to be talking about events in EVE Online. Right. So. Uh... Basically, the winter event just ended today, uh, which is why we're talking about it today, because now that it is fully over, we can kind of uh, digest it, uh, pull it apart, and look at what it represented. So um, let me pull up the actual article about it. Uh... By the way, I was watching people stream it last night. Actually, they were all saying like, yeah, it's the last night. Get in on it. And they were out there in groups. It was kind of cool to watch. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Um, the Winter Nexus was uh, a series of different things that were all happening um, over the course of the last all, pretty much month, which is one of the things that's noteworthy about it, which is that this event was way longer than previous events. Most uh, uh, of these live events usually last somewhere around two weeks, uh, give or take. This was nearly a full month uh, of uh, in which these sites were available. And there is some good reason why events are usually pretty short-lived. Uh, there's sort of a cycle of gaining understanding and mastery all the way to you know the exploitation side of things that by the time an event is over, it's kind of welcomed that it's over. Um, but this event uh, wa was, was way more complex and kind of engineered than previous ones. And it gave a lot of different activities support for and things to do and so i think that this event as you said up until the very last day there were people that were having a great time doing it so uh, a few things there were there were a couple of things involving this event that were outside of the scope of like the sites in game for instance there was two abyssal pvp arenas during that time uh, there is login events, the 13 days of Nexus, you know, able to throw snowballs at people for skill points and all that stuff. But then there was uh, the actual event sites itself, which is uh, had a track, which I wish I had a screenshot readily available of it, where if you went into your agency, you would have, um, if you went into your agency, you would have the, not only like a description of the event sites, but it showed you you had f up to four different tasks at any given time, and completing a task made a new task appear. Um, and these tasks could be combat-oriented, they could be mining-oriented, they could be uh, exploration-oriented, and they could also potentially mandate being either in high-sec, low-sec, or null-sec. Um, and these 
event, these tasks accumulated points, which went up a track. And as you went down the track, you unlocked different skins. And like halfway through, there was a cerebral accelerator. And at the end, there's like a bigger cerebral accelerator. Um, a few things to note, the skins in the track um, all were bind on character when applied to it. So if you, uh, you couldn't then sell them. So if somebody has the Eris skin or any like Dictor skin with the Aurora, the new, the, like the, uh, that Aurora skin, mm -hmm. if they have it on a Dictor, that means that they did this event. It was the only way that to have gotten it. It's or, not something that can be bought or sold. Or one of the three characters on that account did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could apply it to a different character if you wanted to. You could do it on one character and apply it to a different character, but it's not like you could just, you can't just sell it on the market. If somebody has that skin, it means that they did this event. Um, which was kind of interesting. CCP has played with this in the past. Uh, most famously, there was the Shadow of the Serpent event, which was what uh, brought us the um, uh, the Serpentis Dreadnought. And so it was this massive grind of tasks that took a lot of time to complete. And if But if you completed it, you would get one of these BPCs, um, which didn't quite work because it sort of burned a lot of people out like the people i didn't hear of anybody who actually completed that event all the way through and then continued to play eve the next month like yeah. everybody who completed that event had to take a month off at least yeah right. um because of how much it was what? yeah we laughed because we thought that's probably not the desired result uh yeah like yeah and then there's other problems too like now the people that are ending up earning this bpc are definitely not the people that are like running around in that would use that bpc so you have these like newer players that are like spending their time grinding up this stuff and then they end up with this thing that almost just makes them into a like a target more than anything. So it was it, it could use some work. But is that, uh the Serpentis Dreadnought we, is is it the vehement? Is it the same ship? That is correct. That sounds correct, yeah. 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 All right. Gregorian's with us. With, Gregorian's with us today too, by the way. All the Serpentis ships um besides the Daredevil all start with V. So got it. Uh, Remembering Vanquisher, which capital is which is hard. Vanquisher is a Titan. Vendetta is mm -hmm. the Nyx, basically, and then Vehement. Then vehement. Yep. And then, of course, um, is a Dreadnought. Uh, that's three. That's it. Oh, there's Vindicator, no Vindicator for the battleship, and then uh, vigilant. Um, vigilant for the. Oh, cruiser. oh, interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. The cruiser. Mm -hmm. Uh, another Sorry. fun fact, which Go we'll ahead. get into in a little bit, <laughs> is that there's a, the the reason why the Serpentis equipment is so similar to Angel equipment is because Angel the Angel Cartel actually developed the Serpentis equipment. Serpentis are just a bunch of drug peddlers, basically, so oh. they don't have a military wing of their own. So they hired the Angel Cartel, um, which is something that we'll go into in a little bit when we talk about this year's events. Um, so, anywho. Um, Another thing that made this event interesting is, like I said, there are, there was different, way different types of tasks that could be done. Uh, this has also been done before. In fact, uh, one of the best implication, implementations of this was a previous frost line, which was the winter event, um, in which you went to these planets. And then there were like mining activities and hiking, hacking activities and combat activities. And it was kind of fun to try to do like multiple at the same time or with the different ships or whatever. Um, so in this case, there were clearly defined different kind of areas where the mining area only allowed in mining ships to give them some sort of protection. And uh, the hacking sites required very good, like 95 or higher scan strength. 
So that way you can't just slap a scanner on any old ship and just let it go. Um, and the combat sites, obviously, like if you're not able to hang with the Serpentis, or sorry, against the Sancha in these winter sites, then or like the 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 rats in these sites are designed to function like a player versus player fight, which means they take the same solutions as a player versus player uh, fleet would. So if you take a team of like five to six players and you build them as any kind of like small gang cruiser or battle cruiser fleet, um, as long as you take some basic considerations in to play of what the Sancha are willing to do, then if your fleet is willing, is able to like fight and as a PVP unit, then you'll also be able to complete these sites. So, um, you know, very often I just expect, like, I just say, Hey, bring your best, you know, PVP cruiser and we'll be good to go. And if we have Logi, then that's great. But most of the time we just go with local tank because, and this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that events have gone through multiple iterations over the years. And this last, like since invasions, we see a new kind of event coming out. Um, I call it like the post agency overhaul events. Um, and they they utilize the uh, invasion AI, and the invasion AI is a level of sophistication above and beyond all of the previous rats. So invasion AI, for example, have an active capacitor, which means that you can energy nuke them, and it will turn off their secondary effects, like their reps and their E-War and stuff like that. They're also able to fly in formations and support each other in a much more sophisticated way than before. Um, and they are impacted by E-War in a way that you would expect rats to be imp or a ship to be impacted. If you tracking disrupt them, they will, uh, they will come in closer in order to compensate for that, for example. Um, they also do have some basic mechanics that are designed to kind of hard counter certain player behavior. So one of the more controversial is that a lot of times they'll deploy the rats. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't, where the rats can do what we call what I call repositioning, where the rat can warp to about 400 kilometers and then warp back to whatever position that they want. So what happens is, is that if, a, if one of the rats decides that they have a target, but then that target is outside of range, rather than burning to them mindlessly, and allowing them to be kited out, um, they will just reposition to get on top of them. So that that counters a lot of uh, more like super kitey play styles, which is good because if you want them to be doing this in PvP areas, you want them to be brawly anyway. So that way you have more interesting encounters once uh, the enemy comes in. A kitey ship or group would just leave. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> the other aspect of it was uh, they would. Um... They wouldn't scram you as far as well. I, don't, I never had an MWD, yes, so I don't know do. scram. Uh, but yep. they would web and point you basically. So um, it enabled you to be locked down, and then therefore, if somebody came in to contest with you, they they would be able to get you basically. I mean, you could you could get out of the the webs and the the points, but you know, say for example, you're fighting against the battleship, which is the last NPC in the in the room. Number one, they hit pretty hard. Uh, yes, but um, they webbed and pointed you at the exact same time. So it would take quite a few seconds to get out of that guy's uh, point range. So theoretically, you could you could get in there and grab people. So it, there were some interesting uh, PvP uh, aspects to the thing. Right, and, and they've been working on more and more on making these sites what I like to call PvPVE. They've been working on this for about the last year, which is PvE sites that organically evolve into PvP sites. Um, 
so one of the things that they've been doing is showcasing um, more dangerous areas of space by putting the better rewards there, right? And they sometimes rotate, although they've kind of decided that LOSEC is more worth rewarding. It, like the, if, when they reward LOSEC's behavior, they get much more out of it than when they reward NULSEC's behavior, or like by putting stuff only in NULSEC, as it were. Why do you think but, they did that? No, no, they've tried, like they've done it both ways. Like I've talked to them. And what mm. I'm saying is that CCP feels more rewarded when they put oh. the better rewards in low sec. They've found right. that putting the better rewards in low sec is just makes better events is what I'm trying to say. L low sec is um, more of a, um, it's more accessible. Number one, it's a couple, you know, it can be a couple jumps from high sec. So anybody can get there. So in, in any, in normal means, it means it's more accessible for uh, newer players or players in high sec. So they'll be out going into to low sex. They'll be drawn there. Um, right. You you don't have issues with people camping uh, with bubbles and that sort of stuff. So it's it's you, people can't control it as easily. Uh, but it also um, is actually more dangerous because if you had this in um, like somebody's sovereignty space or something like that, then it's actually going to be very easy for them to, to to prevent anybody from number one running the sites because they just have every all of their friends there and, and nobody else can get over there to like burn, you know, 20 jumps through zero zero to get there. So that's not very accessible. And um, uh, yeah, so and it would be very safe for those individuals to then run the site. So it wouldn't be, it just wouldn't be interesting uh, in any way. So low sec is, tends to be the best place for the best rewards for, for events. CCP also risks, um, NullSec is so angsty about stuff that CCP risks appearing to favor one side over another or one group over another if they put uh, sites in their region, even if it's because they're blood raiders or something like that. Um, that being said, like the biggest thing is, yeah, LowSec is less controllable. You can't, you can't have somebody just like it's it, it is more difficult for some uh, for an organized group to seize something and ensure that nobody else has access to it um and to the ad accessibility note one of the other interesting things about this winter event was that uh they put all of these metaliminal storms all over the place and then they introduce a new type of filament that let you teleport to these metaliminal storms so Basically, you had content on command where you could take one man, five man, or ten man, and just go to either high sec, low sec, or null sec. And this was incredible. Like this worked so well because it was such a good yeah, idea. Where, where hmm? the filaments got me doing a lot more of the event than any previous one. Absolutely, um, you can. You use the filament, everybody gets out there. And the cool thing is, is that as you're running the sites, you're getting more of the filaments. So what we ended up doing was, like if somebody had to leave the group early, you could just hand them one of the high sec one man filaments that you guys picked up or brought along with you. And then they just went home by themselves and the rest of the team was able to just carry on. Um, this was an incredible way of getting people to get in and out of content. Because um, going, to, going to those areas are dangerous, which means that there's a lot of things to consider and those things to consider end up being barriers to entry even for people who knows how to solve the problem right like i know how to play the game i know how to get to nullsec but if something is in nullsec the chances of me actually doing it is less because there's so much bullshit between here and there that i just may not decide to i may not get around to doing all of that stuff 
But if I have a key that just says, hey, guess what? You're in nullsec now or you're in low sick now, then that makes it so that when I get given the task, you know, because at the same time, remember, I've got that track with the tasks and that task tells you, hey, you have to go to low sec to do this one. And the problem is, is that these tasks don't seem to cycle. So over time, like you can, you can avoid a task for, but after a while, your task list will start to fill up with tasks that you've decided not to do. Um, yeah, be, be that combat mining or exploration. So it was right. funny. I actually, I ended up doing um, the exploration first and I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty fun. I'm in a, in a frigate. I, I'm not risking too much in terms of ISK, but then my, first of all, my, uh, my thing filled up with combat. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to figure out how to do these combat sites. So I went and got a combat ship and did those. And then it filled up with mining and I was like, okay, well, how do I do this ice mining thing? I'd never mm -hmm. mined ice before. So it was an interesting, like, it forced you to go do things that were maybe outside of your comfort zone in order to progress with the system. But, if, but that's my point. Once you were willing, once you were actually willing to do it, the act of getting it done was not hard, right? Like, yes, nobody wants to be, like, if you're a combat person and you've never mined ice before, like, making you do that to maximize it uh, is a big ask. Which is why you can do it in high sec. You can do it with a frigate. You know, there's no pressure in the actual site itself if you just need to do it to do the task, right? So if you need to just knock out your mining task, you can just knock it out and it's fine. You can move on. You just need to be willing to do it. There was one, there is an exception to that, which is that alphas couldn't do the mining tasks, which is interesting because it means that it could potentially represent a so soft limit on the progress that an alpha character could make in this in this think, track. Do you think that was in, intentional? I don't think it was, right? I think I think it was I uh I think it was uh something that they were willing to let happen even if it wasn't necessarily intentional because if you think about it all of the ships in the later end of the track are all omega ships anyways. They're dictors and stuff. Mm. And so I think that I think that yeah, I I think that they accept the idea because this has been true in previous things with these kinds of tasks or something like that, where it's like, yeah, guess what? An alpha isn't going to get be able to do it all, or if they do, it's going to require more work or more teamwork to do it. And that's just what being an alpha is, man. Otherwise, being an omega wouldn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can agree with that. I mean, the the, the thing was the rewards that you were getting for the um, Doing the agency progression progression thing, um, there there like you have these boosters. Which number one, you can get the boosters from doing uh, the sites themselves, so that they weren't locked out in any way. But the skins themselves were, you know, that that is the only way to get those skins, um, and mm -hmm. they're purely cosmetic as well. So like doing those, like see, for example, you could have not interacted at all with that agency progression bar and still made a lot of isk um, oh yeah so you didn't have to go and do combat or do exploration or, or do mining if you preferred one or the other but if you wanted those those cool skins then you then you had to interact so it was an interesting like option interesting idea where they didn't lock everything behind the progress bar the rewards were for doing the the specific site itself and weren't tied to you know as back to what you were saying about that um Dreadnought uh, event where you could get that BPC, like you had to basically finish the thing, or if you didn't finish it, your re rewards were basically minuscule in comparison to what you would have made. 
Right. In previous iterations, one of the things that they 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 went a long time before you got between uh, receiving rewards or the rewards were not very meaningful outside of the main stages. This reward track really felt like a good rhythm of actions versus rewards. I felt like I was constantly about to hit the next milestone um, and uh, like continually checking off tasks and then also checking off how far down the track I've gotten. Um, it, 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 it felt pretty good to, to go through that. That being said, it would be nice for there to be some sort of reason, like final reward that is based on total points accumulated. So that way somebody who got finished the track within the first couple of days would be able to continue to gain points and have some sort of lasting feeling for it. Even if, and I've said this before, the events should become like a lasting record. Like I should be able to see how much I did or what I did in this event this year. Like they shouldn't have just taken it away off of the UI whatsoever. I should still have access to that track just so I can see that that's what I did. That'll always be what I did. Um, and see a historical record of if you're going to have these point systems. So that way we could do a thing like a competition for who can get the most points beyond even uh, what the track is. Um, but uh, it's interesting that you mentioned feeling rewarded even if you don't want to do the tracks because the tracks are where like they're just skins. And if you don't care about those skins, then you don't care about them. A lot of people want to know the ISK. And this is another thing where CCP struggled for a long time to really make uh, to understand the rewards for these sites. Um, in the early days, sites were extremely rewarding, but partially because, uh, like in the first ones, like Crimson Harvest, they were based around skill accelerators, which at that time were unheard of before. And so the idea of like being able to speed up your skill points was so big that it was like worth anything. This was, of course, before skill extractors and injectors uh, as well. Um, over time, that hasn't become as big of a reward anymore. And so other rewards uh, have been put in. This year, they've used the events to release a set of pirate implants, for example. Uh, the Nirvanas came from the Sancha. Uh, there is the, the Hydras from the Garistas, et cetera, et cetera. Each of the pirate factions kind of got to introduce a new implant during their holiday. Uh, to the, actually, and Serpenta, sorry, the Sancha have now gotten to release two because they released this, the Nirvana last January as part of the Dra Dragonar Blitz event. And then um, this year, they released uh, whatever they had as part of this event. What was the implants this event? Um, oh, those things. Capacitors, capacitor recharge one? speed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so, capacitor. But the problem is, is that in previous events like the first couple of days the events are super lucrative because these things don't exist on the market yet but then it crashes out and another thing is is that like when when it's all about bpcs or something like that the, it's hard to turn things into a reward so if you like me as if i even gave this feedback like as an fc i've got this group of people and we go out and we get like 300 million is worth of stuff well I can't necessarily turn that all into value right away, especially since the act of the event crashes the market. So I have to just pay 300 million out of my own pocket and and just eat the stuff if I want to give a payout right away. It's very difficult for like coordinated ISK generation, even though they need teamwork to work. And so what we've seen, especially last Crimes and Harvest on, in October, and then now repeated to here, this shift towards using overseer's effects and other commodities to put the value in. So now about 60 to 80% of the value that you receive from these sites generally come from uh, 
things that are commodities purchased by MPC buy orders, which means it doesn't matter how the market changes. It doesn't matter if a thousand people run the sites. It doesn't matter if the markets all get flooded by the stuff because the buy orders will still, the NPCs will continue to buy them. It doesn't matter how many overseer effects drop. Um, yeah. They will still be rewarding. We can think of them as like raw isk, right? Because they're, they're infinite buyback, but that you have to deliver them. So there's an, an aspect of, of um, if you get killed with this stuff in your cargo hold, then theoretically you're a pinata for somebody else. <laughs> I wonder if we'll be able to see that on the N MER, sure the, the impact will. of this event when it, in the section for stuff sold to N NPC buy orders. I, I, trillions, trillions, I'm thinking. You, you're going to see a, a massive uptick because I think there were a lot of people running these. I think... Um, you know, even there were these uh, sites in in uh, zero zero, and people were were running these instead of running uh, normal ratting sites. So I think you're going to see a massive uptick there. Um, yeah, it'll be hard to see because, like, I mean, you're in the same category as sleeper loot, so it's hard to sometimes make a blip. Uh, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be pretty significant. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. I think I've, I talked to uh, some guys in my uh, my alliance who said they made like twenty billion in in, in loot. So, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is is that like we had people because of the way that it was organized. If you had a four a team of four to six people, even if they weren't very experienced, a team of three people were able. We had I had three people that have a moderate amount of experience with the game. They're not newbies. But none of them were PvP FCs to the point where when I took out a fleet, everybody wanted to come. But when I wasn't bringing out a fleet, people were really nervous about it because FCing in low sec was spooky. But eventually they started trying it out. And I know that there was at least three to three or five people that got together and they got some freaking work done, man. Because if you're willing to do if one, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's hard. You got to be willing to do it. But if you're willing to do it, this event rewarded you. Uh, those guys made a killing. This event is which one? Uh, the winter event. This new one. This, yes. is a, this, this last one that just ended. Yeah. Which CCP did say that they wanted this one to be additionally rewarding. So it's not every event in the future is going to be this rewarding. Um, but the Crimson Harvest was also really good. I mean, it's maybe not 300 million isk an hour good, but 100 million isk per hour good. And that's pretty good. Uh, um, yeah. So, at any rate, I yeah. wanted to show. Uh, a, a video rather than us trying to go over all the different events from this year ccp actually just did this in their thing so i'm going to hop over, switch over to my this and show uh, a little bit of what's been going on so these are the events that happened this year there's probably more of them than what most people realized uh specific some of them we expect to repeat this year some of them that we don't uh the guardians gala the hunt mm -hmm. crimson harvest oh, the Easter and the one. winter event Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Those are the ones that we most expect to see come back. Dragonar Blitz is a little bit more uh, iffy. Uh, obviously, like the trading spaces, not so much. Because that was... Yep. And then the Winter Nexus. Um, so these are the things that CCP identified as the events this year. And CCP is moving towards a uh, more... Um, like routine calendar of events. And so... At the very minimum, I expect to see a return of the Guardian Gala, the Hunt, Capsuleer Day, and Crimson Harvest. Um, I don't know whether or not we're going to see something in January. Um, because, so, last January, we got Dragonar Blitz. 
and Dragonar Blitz was related to like the Kaldari uh, have a terrorist faction known as uh, the Templest Dragonars, who used to work for Tybus Heth, and we didn't hear about them for a long time, and then suddenly they they were active again. Uh, and really, it was also just kind of an opportunity for them to showcase the splinter faction of the Sancha that they've been playing with, um, called the uh, uh, the Vimaksha Chorus. And so that event was focused on Losek. They focused it on Kaldari Losek. It was Kaldari because it was related to the missile buff that was being done at that time. Um, so it all kind of thematically fit. So there's no real reason to believe that they're going to have a, temple, a Dragonar Blitz this year. That said, uh, a lot of the story that they've been building up in the lore for the last month has been related to the fallout or the after effects of the Gita 4-4 rework, um, which involves a lot of criminal activity, uh, an attempted bombing of the mining facility uh, outside of Gita 4-4, and um, a crackdown on various different pirate groups within the state. As the uh, there's unrest, the state was shown to be very, very weak during the Triglavian invasions. And uh, they're kind of in this period of, of there's a lot of dis uh, unrest within the state. And the state leadership is responding by like cracking down on the populace. So the idea that maybe some sort of event might come out of that in January or something, or in the near future, uh, is possible and that would reflect like that would tie into Dragonar Blitz because that was uh, last January, but I'm not sure. That being said, the Guardian Gala, um, oh, let me pull that up. The Guardian Gala uh, is kind of like the February event, it's more or less the Valentine's Day event. Um, the, the Guardian's Gala is focused on the relationship between the Guardian Angels and the uh, Serpentis Corporation. As I mentioned, the Serpentis do not have their own military wing. Therefore, all protection, research, and development is done by the Angel Cartel, uh, and specifically their subdivision known as the Guardian Angels. And every year, they celebrate this by having a giant party. Um, last year, they they put this in wormholes as part of the from wormholes with love. Once again, um, there is a possibility that they will do that again. Um, but during that patch, they were already introducing a lot of mechanics about wormholes. So unless they decide to do that again, then it may not necessarily be put there. Um, but that being said, since they are just trying to have their party and the Serpentis and the angels are you know, two, across two different areas of space, it makes sense that this focuses on wormhole space as an as a as an event because they're hiding their their in, installations in in wormhole space or something. So it'll it it's probably unclear necessarily. I'm not 100 sure how the Guardian Gala will uh, show up this year, but chances are it will be uh, the Valentine's Day event in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then later on, we have the uh, the hunt. The hunt is the Easter event. I, I made jokes before about the Garista bunny. Uh, <laughs> this was another one event that was really liked last year. Um, we would go around and find capsules using directional scan and then hunt them down and pop them. And from there, you would get a key. And then that key would allow you to enter into the insides of the sites. Um, so, and it focused on like Grissus, Losek, and Nullsec. I imagine that 
the hunt could probably return this year in basically identical as it was before, maybe with a little bit of extra build out um like like the winter event got this year with uh with uh, like tasks and a track and more like you know structure around it but the sites themselves um and the bit core mechanics of it are pretty uh interesting another thing to note is that these hol these events have also been related to mechanical changes that affect the world during these times so for instance crimson harvest has now become the time in which uh, loot drop rate is increased significantly last year uh, last year or the year before it was 100 percent. this year is 90 percent uh the yule festival uh the end of year festival the winter event that we just had uh last year was when we got heat filaments for the first time the uh the filaments that allow you to teleport into nullsec and so the winter event is now related to those filaments especially through its connection with uh outer ring excavations Ash, so, can you go back to your face cam uh, i'll go ahead and hold the picture up yeah Oh dear, maybe. Hold on, one <laughs> second. Oh, there it is. Well, we'll look for you Got in a it. second. Bingo. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, at any rate, my point is, is that the hunt, the hunt's mechanical change is that uh, implants drop from people who were potted, and that had never been done before. Um, but it was done happens. for the first time. Usually, all implants are destroyed every time. Like when you pop a pod, yeah. all that's left is a corpse. Every yeah, that's how I got time. my first Genolution set. That event, right? <laughs> so, so that's a big thing. Once an implant gets put into your head, it's in there. There's no way to ever get it out. Period. Even if you um, want to change implants, right? Right. You would have to use a different clone. Um, if or you, fill you up have to clones, and your fault. Or you have to destroy the implants and then open that slot and then put a new implant in. Right. So. Now, or during that event this year, there is a 50-50 chance on any given implant that it would actually drop. So this meant that potting people was valuable, and also it meant that if people wanted to, they could risk and try to salvage some of their implants out if they no longer wanted to have that clone during that time. Um, but as we've seen, you know, the Crimson Harvest and the uh, Yule event both thematically echoed their, their mechanics last year. And so it would, it's reasonable to anticipate that this, like the Garistus event, the Easter event, will become the time of year that implants will potentially drop from pods. Seeing that mechanic repeat itself again, I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think they hold those mechanics for the events, like reserve them for an event? Or do you think they're testing the mechanic to see if they can integrate it into the game full time? Well, yeah. I mean, like, I think that, I think that in the case of Yeet Filaments, for example, that ended up being such a big hit that they did integrate it full time. And then this year they had to think of something else to be like the next step beyond that to be the thing for the for the season. But I think that the point is is that using the events as an opportunity to kind of cycle through extreme things, right? Like it wouldn't actually be a good idea to make it so that drop rate is now 90%. But having that be true for two weeks out of the year is interesting. It adds texture and and dynamicness a little bit to it makes it so that not every day is the same as every other day you know which is really what a calendar is all about right and holidays is all about you know there's a rhythm there's a cycle to things um and so i like i actually really like the idea that like you don't always get your implants out of your egg out of your egg but if you really 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 want to you can kind of hold out and expect to be able to do that at this one time of year 
just like there are some things that you can only do in one area of space or you know whatever just adds more texture so beyond that we have uh capsuleer day capsuleer day is the 17th of may which is the eve online anniversary in universe this has a uh a presence in the form of the society of conscious thought which is the kind of the jovian relic organization uh that is uh the people who brought us the gnosis, the praxis, and the senesis, etc., and the apotheosis. Um, that that this is like their holiday, which is why uh, you often get things like the praxis for the five-year anniversary or something like that. Generally speaking, the golden ships, these SSCT ships, are related to um, the anniversary of Eve Online, um, and so Capsuleer Day. It, it, sometimes it has a thing. In game, they've had concerts and interruption in the past. Most of the time, it's just a login event. Um, but also, the winter event you, you sometimes was, you know, many years was only a login event. So, if CCP is getting really into events, which it really seems like they are leaning more and more into it, it makes sense that they would uh, use Capsuleer Day as a more regular event to give people opportunity to go hit fireworks and do all that kind of stuff. Um, which brings up a good point that there has been a lot of minor events that also could potentially be turned into more major events this year if they wanted to. Each empire has their own founding day. You know, you have the coronation of, of uh, I almost said Jamil, of Catus uh, I, almost. which is like September. You have, um, uh, you know, Federation Day. You know, each of the four empires kind of had their own celebration, which this year was just like a login event and a go shoot fireworks in them. But as CCP builds a more and more robust event system, it makes sense that they may play around with this stuff more. Um, and then finally, of course, we have uh, the Crimson Harvest, which is the event that started it all um, in many, many ways, uh, which is our Halloween event, which is hosted by uh, the Blood Raiders, um, which there's an amazing scope video. I, I, would, I would encourage you to just show everybody the scope video like as it is. Uh, from the Crimson Harvest, but if not, then uh, yeah, when when you guys are done, go ahead and check this thing out. It is by far one of the most bizarre scope videos that have ever been produced. Um, it's a it depicts the blood ritual of uh of Omir it was, it during. Was, it was bizarre at the time, wasn't it? Like it, people were blown away. Yeah, it was it was pretty jarring. Um, Let's see if I can forward to that. Here's the ceremonial place. They have captured so, well, captured uh, people. You see them there in the middle, and then here's a dark figure of the vampiric leader and his nakedness. <laughs> and so, uh, of course, this is what they do, right? They steal yeah, this. and the uh, so the the text, the vo vocals of that is is a poem. Um, let me look it up. I can't remember what it's actually originally yeah, yeah. from. We had Mike Azariah but, read it uh, when we were doing our podcast when this happened. And I put mm -hmm. uh, music or a soundtrack to the thriller in the background as he read it because he read it in a big voice. So, Oh, man, I want that. No, no, yeah. no. This, this, is very, this video is very old. Yeah, this is uh, 2015. Um, mm-hmm. Funny, these guys, it's funny because they're, the animation is their heads drop, so you assume their body it was just drained of blood. Yeah, the poem goes, uh, Bloody Omir ran away, hiding 
from the light of day. He made a base out in the night, far away from the Empire's might. Holders think that they're all safe, protected by the Empire's grace. Silly people, you should know. You shall reap just what you sow. Bloody Omir's coming back with monsters from the endless black. Wading through a crimson flood, Omir has come to drink your blood. Hi, Zed. <laughs> He's going to have a nightmare. Uh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, so all those uh, holes there. Uh, the, yeah. They're, they're supposed to be painted with blood, uh, which is funny because then they made the Moloch and it's like, come on. Something the size of Manhattan. Uh, that's a lot of people. Um, even these, these guys, uh, are... these guys get get a lot. Like they they extract whole planets. But that's the thing. Like different blood is like not all well, blood is created equal. They really like clone blood, which means they have a. There's a great way to get Moloch amount amount of blood. Yeah. If you've ever read uh, the Imperian Age book. Um, it was the first book that came out about Eve Online. It really set up the stories of faction war, war between the empires. It starts out with a very dramatic first chapter about a blood raider um, going after an Amarian, uh, I guess, um, important person. And it's it's just, it gets you right into the story. It's the best chapter in the whole book, pretty much. Uh, but it starts out with blood raiders and just what they can do. Just one inside of a ship can just tear it to pieces. Yep. So uh, my point is, is that while the events have changed over the years, um, the current iteration of events is uh, a very well-staffed team of talented individuals um, who are working on creating PvPVE kind of scenarios where... It is a PVE site, but it's designed to be done in such a way that it naturally transitions into PvP. This is one of the like their active goals for these kinds of things, um, and that the rats themselves behave closer to not maybe not necessarily how players would behave because we're weird immortal capsuleers, but how those empires would behave, how those how those real navies would function, um, and and that is a part of the cool thing is that each empire uh like the rats bring the weapon systems of that empire right so like as you pointed out the the sancha's ships have a lot of newt pressure or not sancha's the uh, uh sorry has webs what am i thinking about am i even talking making sense either way normally they focus on making the rats sure. make sense so like you're going to hit the ewar that you would expect to hit for fighting them you would run into a tank that you would expect uh, and damage types that you would expect. Although in general, they have a tendency to uh, spread that out. Like they use missiles that do off types of damage that forces players to Omni tank. Because once again, they want to force the PVE players to behave in such a way to make them ready for PVP. So gone are the days of having these like extremely skewed ships that don't fight in PVP whatsoever because they're perfected for exactly what this rat brings. Rats are designed to bring comps and loadouts that are that encourage players to build more of the kind of comp that you would see in a PVP uh, environment. Yeah. So we will be tracking these things throughout the next year. And um, as I said, I don't know if we're going to get one in January, but uh, hopefully we'll get, like, as these things come out, we will 
let you guys know what's going on and how to get uh, into it. But I just mostly wanted to use this as an opportunity to showcase to people because there's a lot of uh, people that don't realize exactly how much work has gone into the AI um, PVE encounters and events in general uh, in EVE for the last year. Um, a lot of people, I hear people asking about CCP providing content for players, but then when I describe things like PVE, they dismiss it because P PVE is you know not good or whatever. Um, but ultimately, Rats are what CCP makes, right? P CCP can't make PvP content. They can give us tools, but ultimately that's, I mean, player. They CCP makes the environment. Therefore, a CCP solution is going to be a PvE solution. Um, and they use PvE to help teach and to help lure people down the rabbit hole deeper and deeper into EVE Online and create better tracks to get people to get engaged and stay engaged longer in this game uh, to make them comfortable to be able to do more and more risky things and hopefully become uh, more and more in in need of like reaching out to other groups and other people and getting integrated into the game. So um, this is probably the year to start paying attention to events and getting involved, especially if you're willing to do it. Like if people are out there looking for something to do as a small gang, three to six people or whatever, like these things have ended up being pretty consistently great content, great money makers, and great combat opportunities. I kind of have a question here. Pac Van, twenty twenty one. I imagine the predictions, or is that or is the answer? Uh, the well, there, there there's some people asking. Well, we're talking about events of the year, so the formation of Pac Van obviously happened this year, but it wasn't an event in the same way as these were events. Like, um, uh, that was more of a happening. But uh, <laughs> what, Poshvin, Poshvin is evolving rapidly, um, and one of the problems with it is. Anything you've heard about Poshvin is probably out of date because it changes every week almost. So um, at the same time, it's also not a place where you can easily like go in and just have everything kind of taken care of for you. It really is the place where individuals can put in individual work to see individual progress in there and then can work with other people that have done the same within that environment. So there are a few people who have gotten to be very successful in Poshvin. But these groups have become increasingly insular, and um, uh, it it's not like there's a very good onboarding process. Uh, it really boils down to you got to put in the legwork for yourself, uh, which has its pros and cons. Um, and we'll just have to see how it develops over time. But Poshman's here to stay. I mean, you, you could theoretically have. I just, by the way, I just realized my mic wasn't working, so that that's been fun. Uh, um, yay! <laughs> so we weren't ignoring you. You you guys can rewatch the uh, the vod after this and see me trying to speak and then like looking just, like just walking over. Are they, are they they're ignoring me? No. Um, <laughs> Is that why no, you turned off your cam? I thought you turned off your. Yeah, cam. Well, I was like trying to reset Discord. I, I don't know what's going. I'm going to figure it out later. I've just put my old microphone back on. So, um, but yeah, yeah, no, it, it it I think it there's options. I think the best thing that CCP can do for this game are are do make events that um make people interact with parts of the game that they wouldn't necessarily interact for shiny skins and that sort of stuff i think that that is um that's pretty pretty helpful um i mean they could even do a, an industrial event or something like that i don't know some something something weird or or, or wonderful like that where, where you have to do something that um you know like as a pvp player you do that or as a 
industrial pilot, you do something else. It's it's it's, uh, it's cool. Yeah, I didn't really do much in any event before the Christmas one that just ended. I tried maybe a few sites in an event and then went back to my normal thing. But after this Christmas one, I'll I'll probably be putting a lot more time into future ones. Um, in terms of what Gregorian, what do you think was the thing that drove you to engaging in this one specifically? It's uh, the main thing that got me engaging with it more was that the filaments made it easier to get to. And so I could just, uh, uh, without even having to spend a jump clone, I could just uh, buy a ship in where I staged out of, or actually, usually it was a jump freighter, buy a Jita and have it brought in a jump freighter to my staging area. And then I, I could within a few hours just be able to, you take that ship to spend a whole day, and if I got killed, I could just before I logged off buy another, and the jump freighter would get to my staging area before I logged in again. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, they had like it was to look back at it. You had the ability to to jump in and out of of um of different systems of of different areas of space in, incredibly easily just through the, the the touch of a button so you could go from null sec all the way back to high sec um and which is kind of a little unheard of you know with previous filaments you could go to uh, zero zero or you could go to certain areas but you couldn't really choose to go back to high sec um i and i think people did people use these? I, I imagine they did for getting ESS bounties back, or um, I can imagine people using them for for industrial uses and all this kind of stuff. Probably. Oh, absolutely. I was actually making the. I was surprised that people didn't cry a foul that CCP gave people like an evac device right around the time of this war. But uh, one of the one of the things that was interesting was is that one of the winter sites was in solitude and because it was bound to high sec that basically meant that it guaranteed that at least one out of every i think six times that you jumped you ended up not being in the contiguous high sec yeah that was so, actually one of my favorite parts of uh the event like i i like the the high sec islands like i used to my have my main area where i lived out of be the high sec island in placid which Eve University has a setup there, and I was with them. And I really like those islands that you have to pass through Losec to get to. It also gave people a really good opportunity to highlight um, or or see parts of space that they hadn't necessarily seen. Like one of the storms started out in the New Eden system, which made it so that it stayed in that general area. So uh, a lot of people got to see the Eve Gate for the first time during the event. Yeah. Overall, pretty pretty great success for CCP on the event. I think they've got a lot of um, people getting involved in it. And um, yeah. I'm really hoping to see people build teams of people, like get more used to flying and like roaming around. Because basically, it, one of the things that always frustrated me is that like, I'm roaming around in low sec with my small gang, right? Like I've got 20 or so dudes and we're just kicking around in low sec looking for a fight. And we come across like we like there's a besieged research covert research facility, 
we could go knock that out but like there's this aversion to doing this we're doing pvp stuff right now that's not what we're here to do and so like i think that there's been this space for people like to do cooperative gameplay like form a group and every month or so there is some sort of challenge that's put out and like it isn't about any given event but like there's a group of people that whatever the event is they tackle it and uh, i'm seeing it emerge more in our alliance and i look forward to seeing it more in eve as people a decide these events are worth doing and b start to accept the fact that teamwork trumps just power because these rats are actually designed to not focus fire so if you bring two or three t1 cruisers each individual t1 cruiser can probably be okay there may be some like near misses or something like that or spooky moments if you're not ready uh, or you might even lose one but they're not actually that expensive compared to what you're making but if you want to solo it then it needs to be like a really good ship or a fit or whatever and like for instance uh, drone aggro right so if you just bring your, if you just try to solo it in a rattlesnake or something like that, or your Praxis or whatever, and you launch drones, they will aggress on their drones because their behavior says to switch off of the main target and go to a secondary target, right? Your drones are the only secondary target available, and therefore they get blapped. But if you have friends, then you, they have other valid secondary targets. So the more people that you have in the fleet, the less likely that the rats will go after drones and the more safe your drones will be as you fight. And so having a team, you could, I, I even saw a group of five assault frigates being able to do something that requires, tech, you, know, you can either solo it in a battleship or do it with a team of like five to six assault frigates and anywhere else in between. That's what I mean by, as long as you build a pretty decent good comp, to fight a PvP fight, considering what the rats bring, which is somewhere between five to ten frigates to cruisers, and then the battleship, which is its own special, unique consideration. But as long as you can do that, then like there's all kinds of different options that are available, including bringing disruption or log logistics wings, both of which we tried. I mean, I, I will say it didn't require cooperation. It would be interesting to see some events that required some cooperation and Right. Um, no, it didn't require. Well, player base really, really resists requiring something. But it, as long as it like makes more sense, and this actually happened more than one time, because people would be like, "How do I do this?" And I'd be like, "Well, you know, you hack or a battleship." And they're like, "Oh, so it's not really newbie friendly." Well, no, it is newbie friendly, but it's not newbie soloably friendly. <laughs> you, like, if you're an alpha, if you're a new player, go find some freaking friends, team up on these guys. Well, That's not, the whole point. It's not easy in Eve, right? Because you don't know who your friends are, especially if you're new. That's yeah, true, but but told. this is this is this is an opportunity for people to build those things because people mean, can work a lot together of people, on something. A lot of people who are just starting out have uh, come in with having received the advice to just not trust anyone under any circumstances. Yeah, you're warned, which is bad. It's kind of poisonous. You come in to an MMO and you're suspicious and that heightens your, I don't know, like your senses. So it's kind of exciting, but at the same time, if you don't make some connections, you can't really stick around. So mm -hmm. this is what I like to say that. about, this is what's, this is what's wrong about how we think about EVE online and retaining new players. When people come into the game, by the time that they're done with the, uh, the two, new player experience at best, all that they know is how much they don't know. And, 
and that they'll be punished if they try to do something and make a mistake. Uh, and the only thing they know about other people is not to trust anybody. That's the only thing they know about Eve. The only thing they know for sure about the game is that they can't trust anybody because that's what they know about. That's what they've heard about. That's not and true. that's not right. But that's what they quote unquote know. Right. So that's that's the point. Where's your path from going from there to being a knowledgeable person? They don't even have the tools to help build their own knowledge base, right? If they don't understand, if there's nothing in the game that helps teach them mechanics, and they don't, and they've been instilled in them a paranoia of other people and their inform and the information that they have to provide, then you basically just provide people no path forward. And so this is why CCP has put way more information and cues and you know, making things easier in the UI, like telling you what power grid it means when it gets overloaded and how in the show, you can now show info pretty much any rat and go to the attributes tab and see the, the tank and the weapon and the damage type of every rat. Uh, so some people are like, oh, how do, you, how do you build, you know, what do you tank for? Well, you don't even need to even ask that question anymore. You can always just show info on the rat and see what they're doing and and be able to compensate accordingly so they've been building in the tools for us to to like learn be able to learn the game the information's you know they're getting better at making it so the information is at least accessible within the game but um it's not there yet uh definitely somebody who doesn't know what they're doing doesn't know how to find the information there's still plenty of hidden stuff within the game so you know being taught by players by other players is still valuable in order for that to function, we need to get past this idea, this this um, uh, stereotype of Eve as psychopath simulator, and you know all about <laughs> yeah, being yeah. villains and all yeah. about how terrible we all are. I mean, uh, it is our... fun to be the bad guy, though. It uh, is, and that's a it's an aspect of it, but it isn't conducive to having players feel like they should reach out. There's already this, so here's the thing: when you first join a new game. Uh, like if you if you start playing League of Legends, for example, you don't immediately like get through the tutorial and then go try to find some guild to or some clan to teach you how to play. The expectation is you will teach yourself how to play, and then once you're at sufficient quality, quality, you will reach out to a group right. because you feel like you can offer them something. People don't want to join an organization when they don't know what to do yeah. because they they would feel that that is going to be a burden. Right. They don't want to be a when burden. Oh, hold on, let's uh, let, let's hammer down that point because it's so important. And there's a new guy in chat here, so he probably can vouch for that. Like, you want to join a team where you can be an equal member, or not equal, but you could be a contributing member. You may not be you equal, value, but... right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I so, first tried League of Legends, uh, people were so unpleasant to me because I was having not sure what to do as a new player that I didn't play it again for years. So in the last year, a lot of the things that CCP has been working on is creating events and, and, or creating uh, PVE within the game that gives people uh, challenges that require addressing, um, that teaches defensive behaviors that people should um, already be doing. Like, for instance, the Triglavian in, Triglavians in HiSec. Um, the Triglavians in HiSec basically force players to increase their level of awareness and protect themselves to a certain amount, which is good because they need to be doing that anyways because it's just in a matter of time they're going to be ganked by a player, if not the trig. So the act, the, the behaviors that it takes to defend yourself against the trig are the exact same behaviors that it takes to defend yourself against players. And therefore, these, 
that kind of PVE helps uh, cultivate and train player the player base to to behave in such a way that makes them more successful, um, or they fail out. One of the two. Uh, <laughs> And then the other thing is, is like, like I said, with these events and with uh, really the invasion content, et cetera, is they're trying to create an environment to run the, the friendship machine, to give us uh, objectives that encourage cooperative gameplay and resist uh, like multiboxing or, you know, solo solutions as the optimal solution that ultimately you may be able to do that but it's still just going to be easier and more fun to do it with with a with a group of people, you know, three man frigate abyss, yeah. two two man my, destroyer some, abyss. Some of my best moments were uh, incursions. I was relatively new to the game, but um, I already had a, a corp and everything. But I kind of wanted to meet new people because it's a big world out there, and I don't know if these twelve people are are you know the guys I want to hang out with for the next three years. So I want to meet a whole bunch of people. And incursions was kind of that public PVE content. You could just kind of show up and somebody would drag you into a group if you were, you know, halfway useful to the group. That's some of the funnest times I had was trying to get involved with new people. Of course, the voice client was actually in Eve Online at the time. That doesn't exist anymore. So it was a, I don't know how if you if you can still replicate that kind of experience. But to me it was great because I'm working along with strangers on a task. We uh, we just use a Discord public link. So you could just drop the link in and then they could just come into the public channel. It worked fine. Um, I think that it is, a, it is a difficult thing, again, for new players to figure out their place in the, in, in the, the, uh, the ecosystem or the universe. Okay, like what? am i gonna add value to like you play any game any mmo you're like i want to be a healer and that's my value to the group i'm the healer i want to be the tank i want to be the damage dealer i want to be the crowd control person whereas like i feel like it's it's less obvious in this game as to like what are valuable positions what people want you to be flying and um it's hard for for um it's hard for new players to find people who who want their skills I think that's one of the hardest things. Like, say I want to be a logistics pilot. I find that idea really interesting. I, I want to just heal people. I'm not interested in shooting people. I want to, but I want to be a part of a cooperative group. How do I find a group of people who who will be able to use my um, you know, my my role? And that I think that's very totally. Difficult. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And um, again, as they create these sites that are designed to emulate real or <laughs> real situations in eve as opposed to old pve like incursions even are still very like the solutions that are to to the problems in incursions and the tactics and the the skill set that it takes to be successful in incursions is not the same skill set as what it takes to be uh successful in pvp for example um but that's not true in invasions uh, one of the reasons why Invasions Chapter 3 was such a smooth, easy transition was that the sites themselves were created from Go as being emulating of PvP. And therefore, if PvP was to break out, then it just it it feels like a natural extension of it. It just kind of folds into it. And I think that honestly, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up today was that at this point, we are the ones we've started to fall behind as a player base um, in understanding and adapting to these changes that have been happening. Um, 
and understanding how the rats behave. So many people are teaching people still today that you can't newt the rats. Like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, that doesn't it's make a, sense, right? Or you couldn't, you couldn't drown them out or something like that. That'd be really right. interesting. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, so, so I do agree that there's some of this that is for new players. They're trying to create a track for new players, but to a certain extent, they're almost the lucky ones because they don't have any preconceived notion. The new player comes in and they see whatever it is CCP presents to them. Some of them may not even have an idea that this is a psychopath yeah, simulator like... and they just think that it's a pretty space game. And so if CCP presents something to them in a good way, they're not going to know any better. That being said, it is cutting through the crust of the decades or you know years and a decade of our offhanded beliefs about this game. Breaking through that and convincing people to think about this game differently than we did based on those changes, this is the big struggle that CCP has had, right? Faction Warfare has actually received a lot of love in the last two years, but it's been little bits here and there, fixing issues. Like, pretty much everything that we asked for in the last rebalance has been put in, implemented into the game that would have fixed Faction Warfare, but it was done in so piecemeal that nobody really noticed, and people still say that Faction Warfare is fundamentally broken. Um, even though that's actually maybe not even true anymore. We don't know. We nobody's really tested it since then. Um, uh, but like, and like with these rats and understanding how the rats behave, like at a certain point, we need to update our understanding of the situation uh, in order to get the most out of the sandbox. I, I totally agree. And but what I would say is that CCP needs to update their their PVE content, especially their lower level PVE content, so that it can be, you you can have these roles that we're talking about where you're like, oh, we're webbing, I'm nuking the guy down, mm -hmm. this, this rat down. It can't just be these event sites because now you have inconsistencies in the game. And it, when we're talking about like trying to teach, you try to teach a dog uh, anything, right? The most important thing that you can do is be consistent about your inputs and, the, and what, what's expected of of the situation afterwards you can't have like one npc that is is nutable and one npc that's not that doesn't make any sense like oh and, and you're it's trying true. to now explain to them like well actually these are really old rats and you've got to know the history of the game to understand why these rats can do this and these rats can't do this and so it, they need to go from a, a ground level and what i would like to see is i think you know what? What is PvP content really? At the end of the day, it's it's a, a cooperative group of people who are competing against another group. Now, yeah, if, I, if we I would fully agree with that. I would. I think that would be the main thing that they have to fix in order to deal with the pr problems that people frequently bring up about nullsec crabbing. Could you imagine if you actually again back to this point? Imagine if you had to like if there was like frigate level uh pve content in high sec that you you grouped up and did that would be really interesting i think and be great for like new players to like right. oh i'm gonna get a logistics frigate and now i'm a healer for my group and right so so what you saw was like the emerging conduits right which um this is another aspect of it where the emerging conduits actually pay out uh the maximum payout is one third of the overall pool of the site so if you actually ran the site with less than three people, you were throwing money away. You know, the, the payout was 4.5 million ISK per person up to three people. And then after that, then the total pool was split evenly if you had more than three. 
Um, so not only did it encourage teaming up, but it actually actively discouraged uh, not teaming up. Yeah, when those first came out, that I was living in Eve University's wormhole, and most of what we did for the next few days was groups of three remote repair Drekovacs running those sites in uh, the high-sec static. The issue is that, and this happened in Emerging Conduits, on a long enough timeline, uh, it becomes... You know, it becomes a cool thing, and then it becomes a solved thing. And as soon as it becomes a solved thing, then it becomes a botted thing. And they actually, there was a huge spike, a sudden spike of of botting within emerging conduits one week, which required them to take immediate action to mm. uh, to take care of it. And so um, I think that this is one of the reasons why events are the way it is. Like I said, All right. two to three weeks is just enough time for, for us to, to really get comfortable with, this, with, with how things are going to work, but not be able to exploit it to that full of an extent. Now it's gone. What right? a good All point. of our knowledge about how that works is now gone, and it's time to learn the next thing. Oh, that's a great point. Right. All right. Each site is, is similar in a lot of ways, so you can take the same concepts and just apply it. They're different enough that it requires you to adapt to each individual type of event as time goes on. Yeah. No, but I never thought. But of I that. have, like, I have, I all year I have used this ridiculous vagabond. Um, actually, let me let me showcase it, uh, real quick. Sure. Uh, I I didn't. It wasn't my main ship in any of these sites. Well, actually, in some of them. But I started in from wormholes with love, um, and this this vagabond. It's just kind of an example of, of the kind of experimentation that you can get into with it when it comes to this sorts of thing. So the Vagamon has a shield bonus, uh, like an active shield rep bonus, right? So I really wanted to lean on that. Uh, where is it? Please be here. There we go. Got all those ships. And I've, I use this in every single event site, at least one event site that it was authorized to be in the entire year after February. And it survived. Um, and it has a Dreadgaristus extra large shield booster, which means it reps 866 hit points every four seconds, and it only has 2,300. So it literally reps a third of its shields every every four seconds. Um, it it lives, and it's gone through a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff, and it's really exciting and it's fun. Uh, hey, buddy! But uh, hey, drag him away. But that's the kind of like that's the kind of thing that you can get into when it comes to these sites, and it's really fun. You, you didn't even need that though. Like you could go. I had like a fully tech two fit vagabond that I flew these uh, these sites with solo. So I mean that was that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Let's let's go ahead and end on that. We had other news. Uh, this is obviously a Polygon article that came out today. There was um, a few other war times things, but we're going to go ahead and yield all that to tomorrow or the next day. Uh, right now is Trash Talk Tuesday. You can check that out on Twitch as well if you want to know more about what's going on with the war from the point of view of the FCs and other popular people. But we are going to raid Carneros, our buddy, in the Carneros district. He's uh, there doing CCP stuff on CCP stream. So uh, thanks very much for hanging out with us for as long as you did. And we appreciate you being around. Please join our Discord. That way you can hang out with us all the time. You can always jump in and talk with us in public. We hang out there all the time. And, you know, make Talking in Stations your uh, EVE Online home if you want to. Uh, we'll try to help you out. So thanks very much for watching us. We will see you guys uh, tomorrow.
Bye, everyone. <laughs>